So I want to talk about the missions as you expect, because you invite a missionary to stand here. But before doing that, I just want to ask some questions. Has any of you seen Extraordinary Otoni Wu, Wu Young Wu? Okay, I see some hands. So if you don't know anything about that, how about the Squid Game? Okay, I see more hands. So um, the, my wife and I have been enjoying watching those uh, episodes, but I'm not sure if any of you uh, has seen those uh, series of episodes because you have to watch the episode. Because it's an assignment, you must, something that you must do. Anyone? Okay, so which means that you, you have watched one of the episodes, all of the episodes, because you enjoy watching. So, I just want to talk about the missions, but I want to talk about missions because, not because it is something we have to do, but because it is something we can enjoy. So that's why, I'm not sure you know the title or not, but I just want to uh, uh, talk about the, the, during this time with the title, Missions and the Great Happiness. Uh, originally, I, I, said, I put the title, Missions as the Way to the Greatest Happiness. So missions and happiness, what a connection. How could I make that connection? So, but I want to talk about that with three regions, three perspectives. Biblical perspective, and theological perspective, and empirical region. So it sounds like complicated, right? But um, the more simply speaking, I want to talk about that. Uh, the missions is the way for your great happiness because it, it is Jesus, what Jesus wants and because it is what God wants from us. Also, because it is what I can testify. Those three regions, with those three regions, I'm going to talk about the Great Commission. So as you have read the passage, the Great Commission in the book of Matthew, uh, the last chapter, 28, from verse 18 to 20, you have read that passage. So when you read that passage, when you think initially in your mind something have you and have you anyone has th thought about that oh this is something we have to do okay it's a charge uh, we feel so, uh, solemnity and uh, we, it is something heavy command anyone okay or something the when you think of the great commission oh that excites me that motivates me okay this is something we Enjoy doing that. Anyone? Okay, I don't see any hand in middle of the questions. Okay, which means that, okay, we read the scripture, but okay, we read that. What about me? <laughs> just read. But uh, I just want to make a connection that when you read the Bible, think about your life, my life, and think about the, my daily actual life. So what the Bible says really can happen in my life or not. Actually, this is the passage that, uh, that challenged me in the beginning. So that passage, Great Commission, was so heavy to me. How could I digest that passage in my life? So I just want to share today the secrets that God showed me. Okay, let's think about the biblical reasons. So from the Bible, 
from the Bible, we can think of the reasons why Jesus gave that commission, great commission, to his disciples. So maybe we, um, when, I, when I think about these things with the other people, no one has thought about that. Why, Jesus, why did Jesus give this command to his disciples? Now, let's think of the, what was the mission of Jesus in the earth. So we know from the, the chapter, first chapter of Matthew, chapter 121, the angel announced the birth of Jesus, and he announced the mission of Jesus on the earth. What is that? He, the, the angel named the baby Jesus with the meaning of what? Savior of his own people. So, Jesus, the literal meaning of the name Jesus means that he is the Savior of all people, all his people. So now, uh, thinking about that meaning, so did Jesus accomplish his mission at this time, Matthew chapter 8? That we know that that is the very last moment of his life. A few days later, he will go ascend, so then the, that is the last moment with disciples. Not the last, but the last moment of his, uh, his, his life with his, his disciples. Now we can ask, did Jesus accomplish his mission? Did he save all the people? Okay, so the, you're like more preaching rather than the talking, discuss, discussing. I understand that. I get it. So the, yeah, I can give you my answers. <laughs> For at this moment, I don't think Jesus accomplished his mission because when you think of the listeners at this time, let's look at the situation. We can, uh, we can read several verses before this passage. I mean, the, when you read from verse 16, we can understand the situation. Where was that? Where did it happen? So it happened on the small mountain in Galilee, not in Jerusalem. So Galilee is a very small town, about 30 miles away from the city of Jerusalem, capital city. But one small city at, in a small mountain, he talked with the small, the, his 11 disciples, not 12, he lost one, but 11 disciples. But verse 17 says that the, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now Jesus stood in front of his 11 disciples, but not all of them were worshippers. Some of them were doubters. So imagine that with the, that 11 people, with some doubters, Jesus is talking about the all nations, the salvation of a whole humanity. Can you imagine that? So with that, thinking about that situation, can we conclude that Jesus accomplished his mission? So now let's rethink about the Great Commission. The Great Commission is basically um, the all authority has given to me, therefore, you go. Right? You go to all nations, make, uh, make a disciples of all nations. But um, the, when I read that, pa- that passage, therefore, doesn't seem right. It sounds like this. All authority has, has uh, given to me, so I have all authority. Therefore, you go. 
Does that sound reasonable? I have the authority. You don't. But you go. I don't go. So from that, thinking about that, let's think about why Jesus gave this commandment to his 11 disciples with some doubters. When you think of the Great Commission, we immediately think of all nations. Because we think the Great Commission is for all nations. But I challenge that statement. So the my biblical reason that the Great Commission is the way of great happiness, ours, is that I argue that the great, Jesus gave his Great Commission to his disciples because it's good for the disciples, 11 disciples. Great Commission is for the goodness of his disciples, first of all. Of course, the nations will hear the gospel, they will receive the benefits from the 11 disciples. But before doing that, the 11 disciples need to obey the Great Commission, not because of the nations, but because for themselves. Then we can think, we can make a connection between the verse 18 and 20. Jesus said, all authority has given to me, therefore you go. The last phrase, I will be with you every day from today until the end of the ages. So it doesn't make sense when we think of the Great Commission is for all nations. But it makes sense when you think the Great Commission is for the goodness of the listeners of Jesus. So by obeying the Great Commission, the 11 disciples can receive at least two things. Jesus' authority and Jesus' presence. You know, the disciples and others, that's another thing. But um, in the beginning, the 11 disciples can receive great benefits from Jesus by obeying the Great Commission. That includes Jesus' authority and Jesus' presence in their daily lives. I challenge you, do you experience the authority of Jesus in your daily life? Do you experience, do you exercise the presence of Jesus in your daily life? Do you feel that Jesus is with you every day, yesterday, today, and Monday? You know, the Monday is the most, you know, the, uh, the disliked day among weekdays. I don't either, so I don't like the Mondays either. But even Mondays, Jesus is with us. That is what the Great Commission means. So I argue the Great Commission is a way for the great happiness for us because Jesus gave this Great Commission for the goodness of the great, the 11 disciples. Now let's move on to the next topic, so theological reason. So theological reason is based on the meanings of the presence and authority of Jesus to the 11 disciples. 
So what does it mean that the, the 11 disciples would have the authority of Jesus? Or what does that mean that 11 disciples can experience the presence of Jesus? Let's go back to the first chapter. So when angel announced, announced the birth of Jesus, the angel named the baby Jesus. So when he did that, he cited the Old Testament, actually the book of Isaiah, so he repeat the whole phrase except one word. Actually, the uh, uh, 121, the, uh, Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 1, v- verse 21 is the, actually what angel said, but the 23 is what was written in the Old Testament, Isaiah. If you compare those two passages, just one word is different, which was that the name of the baby. Angel said, angel announced, he will be called Jesus, the Savior. But in the Old Testament, Isaiah said, the baby will called whom? Emmanuel. So those two things are totally different. Jesus, Savior, and Emmanuel, God being with us, how can you take those things at the same time? That cannot be happen. Unless something happens, which is the life of Jesus. Angel announced he will be a savior. At the same time, he'll make a, make us, he will give us, give us the reality of the Emmanuel, the presence of God. Now let's go all the way back to the Bible in Genesis. When the Adam and Eve, they failed... Immediately, God gave them the good news. So we call the Proto-Evangelio. So it's the first gospel. So in the Genesis 3.15, God told Adam that he's going to send one seed, one descendant, to destroy the heels of the Satan. The, no, the head of the Satan, sorry. So the, immediately, God... God gave the commandment to recover the relationship between God and the, the Adam and Eve. So we know from, the, the, from that on, the, from ch- uh, chapter, th- chapter 3 of the, the Genesis, all the way up to the, the end, last chapter of the Malachias, so we know how God has been doing to fulfill his covenant, his promise. You know, the, after Adam immediately failed, they sinned, immediately they were exiled from the garden, exiled from the presence of the, uh, God, and also they lost the paradise, the, the Garden of Eden. But God has been working to recover those relationships and uh, the, the, but up to this moment, nothing was not sure that can really happen or not. But angels said, the baby will be called Jesus. But in reality, the baby will be called Emmanuel. So that is, we are talking about the first chapter of the book of Matthew. Now, the passage we read was the last chapter of the book of Matthew. The Great Commission it's the fulfillment of the what angel said, God being with us. 
So Great Commission is the extension of the presence of Jesus. So um, in the passage, in the, uh, chapter 28, the great, in the Great Commission, we see that the presence of Jesus will be extended beyond his physical limitation, beyond his temporal limitation, so up to the end of the ages. So wherever they go, even though they go separately, Jesus will be with them until the end of the ages. It will be the extension of the, the presence of Jesus. Now let's think of the, what does that mean, the presence of, presence of Jesus. You know, the presence of Jesus means the recovery, recovery of the relationship with God. We can enjoy the presence of God with our, in our daily lives. That's a reality. So that promise has been fulfilled because of that you're here. We are here to worship God. We are here to listen to God's word. We are here to know who he is, as we sang. So Great Commission is the fulfillment, the mission of Jesus, and also it's a fulfillment of what God has been wanting up to this moment. Now think of the authority. So from the first, uh, first chapter of the Matthew up to this, up this chapter, we have been what, reading what Jesus has been doing in between, the, what happened. When Jesus used his authority, what happened? He, sick, he healed the sick. He cast out demons. He saved the sinners. Now, do you remember when Jesus sent out his disciples, 12 disciples and 672, two by two? And they were sent out and they returned to Jesus and they, they testified, Lord, Lord, we followed as you said. We preached in the name of Jesus and we experienced, we saw the demons cast out. We saw the sick, the sick healed with your name which means they can exercise the authority of Jesus. They can do only the things that Jesus can do. So Great Commission is the extension and invitation for the disciples so that they can exercise the things that Jesus only can do. Because of that, we can pray for forgiveness. If we forgive others, God will forgive them. Right? If we pray, God will answer. If we pray for the sickness, pray for the sick, God will heal them. It is the things that only Jesus could do, but now we can do. Because of the Great Commission, Jesus extended his authority and his presence without limitation when the disciples obey the Great Commission. That is the theological reason. So now, I want to talk about the, my story. So we talk about the, the 11 disciples on that days, and we talk about the all humanity that God wanted in the beginning. So we know theory, but in practice, that could happen or not. So here I stand as a 
as I can give testimony for them. So God called me when I was in college. So, you know, the, before I knew Jesus, I didn't find any good things from the world. The world was not so attractive. I cannot find any good things from the world. I don't know what to do before I knew Jesus. But after I knew Jesus, one by one, Jesus showed me what, is, what are the good things. And I found the most the valuable things in Jesus because of that, I decided to follow Jesus, and I decided what Jesus wants me in my life. So I decided that. That was in my high school. But not overseas, not yet, only in Korea. Why would I go to overseas? Because there are so many things I need to do in Korea. But one day when I was in the college, he showed me that the, the another people were standing, uh, sitting before me. He was reading the Bible. At that moment, I realized almost every day I saw at least one person reading the Bible in the same spot that I was there. Then at that moment, okay, there are so many people for Korea, then I would go. That was a simple decision. But uh, before I make that decision, in my mind, I had a desire I desire to, access, to experience the presence of God. I desire to experience the, the reality, the real God in my life. And I read the one book, and in the book, I remember, if you're looking for the presence of God, go where God works. And I realized, okay, God works everywhere, but nonetheless, God shows his full manifestation in the mission field. Okay, then I want to go. I want to become missionaries to know, he, know him and to experience who God is. So that was my motivation. So God called me when I was in college. And um, the, I, by the time I left Korea, it took me 11 years. Several things happened. I married. I got uh, my children, the Joyce and uh, uh, her, brother, uh, her brother June. So when you left Korea, Joyce was six months old. My daughter, my son was 11 months, 11, uh, yeah, Joyce, Joyce six months old. My son was three years old. During the States, during in the, uh, I came to, came to the state, United States to study because my pastor and other missionaries recommended me to do um, the uh, tent makers or professional missions. And because of that, they recommended to study first. That's how I got my PhD in engineering, and um, the but I studied for long time, long years, and um, the, by the time I joined the IMB, it took me 11, on an additional 11 years. So the, in total, 12, 12, uh, 22 years, God showed me that what is uh, really important to me, the, doing a missions or looking for Him. So He showed me He is more valuable than doing missions. And I joined the IMB in 2009. My wife and I took two children, two teenage children. Uh, Joyce was 11 years old. We left Costa Rica. We stayed there for four years. You know, the, when you go to an unknown place, something happened. So, you know, the, uh, maybe you can ask your uh, parents, when, you, when they come, came to the United States, what could happen? They could not do anything unless they can speak English. So... 
I didn't speak any Spanish at all until I arrived in Costa Rica. So everything was new. Even though I earned my PhD in the United States, I, the only thing I could do is to show some instruction to the taxi driver to go the, to the place that I want to go. I could not explain the place I, I want to go. That happened. So when you go to unknown place, when you obey, go, then that happens. When you know, when you have, are useless. Only you can rely on the God's resources. So one day in Costa Rica, I was thinking, what am I doing here? I could not, you know, I could not preach. I cannot explain the gospel, but I am here to, uh, to do missions. That doesn't make sense. But over the years, God showed me that missions is what God does, not what I do. It doesn't matter what you can do or you, you, can, you cannot do. God is going to use you, regardless of your capacity, regardless of your availability, regardless of your professional, he's going to do what he can do. So I've learned that in Costa Rica. Then we moved on, moved on to other countries. Then in Argentina, we, realized, uh, we, we have observed what God has been doing through my family. Not just me, myself, my wife, and my children. God has been doing great things, and we are the witnesses for that. I shared that before I knew Jesus, I didn't know what to do because the world was not uh, attractive to me. But um, the after I met Jesus, after I joined, became a missionary, I realized this is really a great blessing to me, and uh, I look back what I the, on my past journey, and I count it what I have earned. You know, I have two doctoral degrees. So the after uh, after I got my MD, I have a doctoral missiology of the South Southern another seminary, great seminary. I'm sorry, not Southwestern, <laughs> but nonetheless, those things are some side products. God gave me the great things. My wife and I have been working with the university students, and we did not know actually we could use what we can do on the missions. But he led us to use what we can do best for his purpose. This is the reason that I can testify that Great Commission is the way for great happiness for my family. Can you show us the slide? Okay, next. Yeah, that is the when we left Costa Rica. So Joyce was in the middle just beside me. He, she was 11. Yeah, next. And we, yeah, that was Costa Rica, sorry. Yeah, next. I'm sorry, that was the previous one was when we arrived in Uruguay, uh, Joyce was in right, the, about to enter into begin her college. Now that was the last year. So the we have more family members. So we have two. We have two uh, grandchild grandchildren. So it's been growing. So that has changed. Yeah. Next, please. So those are some of the pictures that we observe. So the, if you want to know more about that, then the, we have a blog, so you can come into the blog. So we, we wrote the monthly prayer letters every month, so you can watch 
you can read all of the, the stories during the past 12 years. I'm not going to do that today. But um, the, you, can, you can see some of the pictures that we have been doing. So we have worked with the young people, and we enjoyed because we can uh, utilize what you can do, but also we can work with the young people. That is what we have done. So now, I want to tell you, so the, in conclusion, what we do now. So I, ch I charge you that Great Commission is the way for your great happiness. Then what can you do? So as a first step, I encourage you to pay attention to what is going on in the world with the gospel. You need to know what's going on in the world. I think one of the songs we sang was that the, this world is dying to know who you are. That is incorrect. Next slide, please. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not so clear, but um, the, if you look at some of the colors, the red and orange, those things, those colors show the countries uh, having less than 2% of the evangelicals. 2% means that the uh, two only uh, one or two evangelical people among 100 people in those countries. So in the, when you talk about the population in the world, the 60% of the countries, 60% of the population live under that situation. Even though they want to know God, they could not because no one knows what the gospel is. 60%. We belong in 40%. Because we know that there are so many churches, we imagine that that, that, that that is the same in everywhere in the world, but that is not. Next, please. Yeah, next. So, that, because of that, I challenge you to pay attention to what's going on in the world to, with the gospel. You need to know that what countries are, uh, the, in what countries the gospel is available, what countries are not. So you will be surprised. So many countries don't have any access to the gospel. So the, as a first step, pay attention to the world with the gospel. The second step, I encourage you to do is to take a small action to participate in missions. It is a good idea to uh, do a regular prayer meeting for missions. Uh, please pray for the unreached people groups and pray for the uh, persecuted churches. Or you can take short-term mission trips, one week or two weeks, it doesn't matter, but um, just to take small action for the missions. That's a safe step. So I showed you, uh, I put up this slide because the IMB has a different, offer different opportunities. That is a, a third step. So third step is that the, you can spend some time on the mission field to work with the missionaries. So the IMB as a mission organization offer various opportunities for high school students, college students, and uh, the, you know, the graduates, all of the people. So from, uh, from, short -term mission, uh, from the short-term mission from one week up to several, month, several weeks, or one semester, one year, or more than uh, one year, or two years, or more than three years. We have various options. 
But when you think of the IMB, so we think it is one of the organizations, but because you belong to the Southern Baptist, Church, Southern Baptist Convention, you offer Latimun offering, you are supporting the, mission, the IMB, which means you have a, a all right to use the, the resources of the IMB. So we support all of the people who want to participate in the missions. So the, the next slide, please. So we have various options, but um, the, uh, for midterm and long term, you are going to be fully funded through the IMB. Actually, it's not something IMB funds you. It is Southern Baptist churches who fund you. So you can utilize those resources to go on to, go on to the mission field to experience what God is doing with the mission, missionaries. So to conclude, I would like to quote a passage from Desiring God website. Next, please. So the Desiring God is the website founded by John Piper. He is arguing for Christian hedonism. So it says, joy is not optional. It is essential. Christian hedonism is the conviction that God's ultimate goal in the world and our deepest desire are one and the same. Because God is most glorified in us when you are most satisfied in him. And um, the, he continues, Christian hedonism claims that the Christian life should be the pursuit of the maximum joy in God, joy both in quality and quantity, fullness of joy and joy forevermore are found only in God. So, I argue that the Great Commission is a charge. Yes, it's a solemn charge because there are so many countries, so many people who don't have any access to the gospel. But at the same time, the Great Commission is an invitation for us to experience the whole authority of Jesus and the genuine implementation of the presence of God in our daily lives, every day, until the end of these ages. Let's pray.